you too, so we can just love on you both. But um, let's just stretch with our hands to these guys. This is Dave and Sandy Knoll. They're very uh, well-known in this region. We all love them. They have ran ISSM, the Indianapolis School of Supernatural Ministry, which is now the Revived School of Transformation. That's their new promo video that just is hot off the press. That's their first time seeing it on the big screen, so that's amazing. So, Urelli Chambonath, are you here? She's going to be here tonight. She's the one that um, did all the, the amazing stuff up there. Dave helped with the wording and all that, and I was the cheerleader. Yes, you were the best cheerleader I know next to Holy Spirit. So, yeah, so, Lord, thank you for it. Oh. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Dave and Sandy, Lord. I don't know where I would be in this region without these two. Lord, and I just as a friend, I am so grateful to have such heroes in this region who are just normal and happy. God, I'm so glad for some happy people around here, Lord. So, Lord, I just thank you for them. And just thank you, Dave's been... This is the fourth year he's been part of this journey with us. Lord, I thank you for a comrade, a brother, and a sister. Lord, Sandy's been so dear to Sally and I. So, Lord, uh, we just receive them and we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, do what you want to do. We give you room this afternoon. Lord, we never know what to expect when Dave's here. So just whatever you want to do. Holy Spirit, have your way. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, just curious, how many of you have been involved in either ISSM or Revive under Dave in here? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's so cool. So there's a whole harvest of people here for you guys too. So I want you to really promote the school. This is one of the, to me, and I, he didn't ask me to say this. He never does. This is one of the best things happening in this region as far as uh, pr uh, producing a revival spirit that's the real. It's just so authentic and real. So you guys just brag about your school and Jesus and why we should come be a part of that. Well, 15 years ago, I uh, was worshiping in my apartment, and I feel the Holy Spirit in the room, and I said, yes. And I felt like I heard him say, still small voice, I want you to shepherd revival for the next 20 years of your life. So I thought, wow, I've never heard anything quite like that before. So I'm thinking, is that really you? Did I make it up? Uh, 20 years plus 51, I'll be 71 at the end of that. Okay, that's some kale and some quinoa. How much kale and quinoa? Not sure. Fruit, perhaps. And, um, and all the time I'm thinking of that, I'll be 71 years old, uh, the voice comes again and says, if you doubt this is me, turn to Psalm 71 and look at verse 18. So I thought, this is it. If it's pomegranates and figs, I know I missed it. And I look it up, and it says, even when I'm old and gray, oh, Lord, do not forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation. So I thought, it is on. So for the next five years, I tried to figure out what shepherding revival looks like. Does it mean jumping in front of a parade and going, hey, I'm here, <laughs> you lucky people? <laughs> uh, I really didn't know, but I did the best I could, and I, then I realized we could start a school using the Bethel curriculum where we could just have a school in a box, basically, and we started in 2009, so I'm asking the Lord to start the 20 years, 2009. So that means we got 10 more years, so our 10th anniversary is coming up this fall, 
and we've had like 225 people come through the school, and we graduated. It's the best job we've ever had. Wonderful, wonderful people, and uh, we're so excited about the future um, because uh, we can't relive the past. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say. We <laughs> well, we could relive the past, but who'd want to, right? And so, uh, just to a lot of people ask us, what is a class like? What's a typical class like? Well. I'm glad you asked that question because we have a thing that we're doing this summer called A Taste of Revive, and uh, that is just like a 60-minute mini-class where we do exactly what we do in a class, only in a condensed form, activations, testimonies, prayer impartations, that kind of thing. For 60 minutes, then we let you stand up, stretch your legs. If you need to go, you can. There's an optional Q&A afterwards. So we're having this all over the place. Uh, we're having one tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night at Revive the World in Greenwood, uh, Hope Center, August Sunday, August 4th, Indy Vineyard here in the youth room, August 8th, The Well, Marvin, on August 10th, that's a Saturday, and Hope Center again on Tuesday, August 13th. So all that information is on the card, and the cards are straight out there, and you'll see us after, after the session. If you want to grab a handful of them, give them to people. But you also, we'd love for you to go to, the, to our website or, or to our Facebook page even. Um, what's it? Yeah, what's it called? We, <laughs> Revive. No, no, that's our, that's our website. Uh, our Facebook page, it, it's called <laughs> Revive Schools of Transformation. That's the name of it. Go to the Facebook page, and you can like that. But you can also share that video, which would be really fun. I just would love for you to share the video and even share this card with people because it's on there too. And uh, because we just, prophetically, we've been told we're, we're to expect hundreds. I mean, we've graduated over 200 in 10 years, but we've expected to hundreds. We're told to expect hundreds to come at, at one time. And so that, that's going to take some help. You know, we're going to need some help with that. And, uh, but we're, we're preparing now for the hundreds that will come later. So we're trying to increase the quality of the student experience now, not when we get more people. Because God told us this year, don't worry about how many, worry about who. So just the one in front of you, pour in as much as you possibly can. So there you go. That's what I want to say about that. And um, I'm eating into my own time. So, um, but I, I wanted to give this the mic to my lovely, this cutie right here. We've been married August 11th, 46 years. And uh, so she's got a little something to share with you before I share. And don't worry, we won't go too late because I understand that the only sta thing standing between you and supper is me. <laughs> I hope that's an encouragement to some of you um, older young people out there. Because honestly, we have done so many things in our lives, a lot of good, a lot of, I mean, not we didn't do bad things, but we have experienced a lot of good things. We experienced a lot of unpleasant things. And, and we used to always say, what do we love to do most? What have we ever done in our whole career in the ministry that we absolutely had a passion for? And it was training up people, um, young and old, young at heart and old, just people who are not settling for you know, retiring. I saw recently a stat that most baby boomers are not planning on retiring. And there is nowhere in the Bible it says to retire. So we're just getting started. And that is the honest truth. Dave and I are just getting started in what we feel like we were born to do. And it's just, it's so fun. And I told Dave, after we've talked about this many times, there's so many situations we deal with so many students, and there's hardly a one that we have not dealt with personally. 
So it's kind of like, you know, the general in the army's gone through a lot of stuff from boot camp up. And so he, you know, he's prepared. And God is so good at preparing us. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't seek him day by day. We do that for sure. But I just want, I feel like I just want to encourage everyone in here to know that, <clears throat> sorry. It blessed me so much. It blesses me to hear Marvin and and Tom and others who have walked with the Lord for many, many years, decades, and still get up here and, and, and be transparent and share, like Marvin, that two years or whatever it was, that he got set free from something that's held him captive for since he was three. How does that even happen when you're three? But the enemy doesn't play fair. And I just thought, I think one of my calling on life, callings in life is to help free people to be honest and transparent and authentic. Because until we get that way with the Lord, we will not change. We will not change. And I was just, as I was sitting here and we were worshiping the Lord, and I was thinking back that all the things, I came from a very traditional type church. In fact, I was joking with them up here doing the dosio do that I had to take a note to gym class when I was in junior high because I couldn't take square dancing in gym because it was dancing. And somehow I must have been paying attention to the dosio do because I kind of knew what that meant. And so I was able to enter in. But, um, but anyway, so, so when it came to actually being free in worship, uh, which I just have to throw this in, this is so amazing. I come from a traditional church. Dave does too. You just have the hymn books. You sing the songs. There's songs that go really high like joy in the Lord. There's joy in the Lord and all those. And joy unspeakable and full of glory and all that, but not having a clue what in the world we're singing, even Amazing Grace. I had no clue what grace was at all, not at all. And so when God calls us out of the traditional church into a charismatic church, it was completely a new experience for me. For me, in the, in the negative, is like going into a bar for the first time because I had never drunk anything in my life. I've never been in that setting. I, and I did that one time with us on an outreach, and we were so bad. <laughs> Our witness, we couldn't witness. I felt, I just, I was not comfortable there. But anyway, so the Lord had me start practicing worshiping him at home, even dancing. You know, I was told dancing was of the devil. And now I'm at a church that's saying, we want you all to come up here and start dancing before the Lord. And I'm like, can you do that? And not, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't want to do anything the devil would want me to do. But anyway, so so as this all kind of ties together, I promise. But I'd go home, and I would just dance before the Lord, and I'd put worship tapes on. This is back when we were in Oklahoma City, and we were just in the fat middle of the faith movement and, and intercession and praise and worship, and God was pouring out His Spirit in powerful ways. And for some of them like me, some of us like me, it was just really uncomfortable. I, I really was not used to raising two hands. One was okay, and certainly not real high like this, you know, half staff. And so, this is so funny because, you know, God takes your areas of greatest weakness or lack of knowledge and serves them into your areas of strength. And so, I just began to worship the Lord at home, and I had been praying for five years since I found out Dave spoke in tongues. I found out <laughs> that, I, well, you know, you go through the phase that it's, it's of the devil, because that was of the devil, too. I had a major paradigm shift. I'm telling you, it was, God was uh, merciful to help me survive it. But so anyway, so I am seeking God as much as I know now that I believe after all these five years that it really is for me. I could not get it. I couldn't get a prayer language. 
And, you know, and then the enemy hits you like you're just, you know, it's like everyone's in the club but you. And, and I felt less than. Um, and the enemy really hit me hard in that in the areas of the prophetic and then the gifts and all that because Dave just took it all hook, line, and sinker. He didn't have anything to unload. He, was, he just came like a sponge. Yes, I want that, and I want 100 times that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, all I want is three little syllables. That's all I'm asking. And honestly, and do you know what? It was during praise and worship, and I didn't even realize this. Till one time, the Lord showed me as I was just worshiping him in the service, I was able to finally praise publicly, and then God called us to be praise and worship leaders, you know, so I'm not just for myself, but I'm up here telling all of you, raise both hands and worship the Lord in a way that's real and authentic for you, but anyway, so the Lord spoke to me and said, do you know when you began to get the flow of the of my prayer language for you, and you began to hear me and worship, and, and, and uh, you know, my, and I began to, I didn't know what it was, but I was hearing prophetic words and all that. I got free during worship and during intercession. He said, in worship, your focus is on me, yeah. not you, and when you're interceding and praying for other people, your focus is on them and not on you. So I feel like almost in my whole adult life, this has been God's class that he's had me in, is getting my focus off of me, my inequity, my insecurities, my, you know, inability to be like everybody else and all that, and just get my focus on him, keep my eyes on him, and I don't think, and I stand before you as, I mean, that was like almost 40 years ago, and I still, recently, this week, the Lord showed me us at a table, which is pretty cool. He was at the end of the table, and I was sitting next to him, and he said, I want you to get this once and for all. I am your exclusive source for everything. Everything. And I just began to thank him for everything. Not just stuff, not just finances, not healing, but just friends. Um, good, you know... Um, clear thinking, just whatever you need from the Lord, I promise you, it will so keep you on track with him, and you will finish this race. If you and I will just keep our eyes on the source of everything. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's really easy when the tests come, the hard times come, and you want to look to people. I mean, we've had a lot of people in our, in our ministry, I'm not lying, there are a lot, who wanted to give us huge amounts of finances and blessings in many, many ways, trips and all that kind of stuff. And we can't think of really maybe one or two that did not have big fat strings attached. It was not for us. It was for them. And thank God he allowed us to see that. So he let us know right away, no man, like Solomon said, let no man say he made me rich. Let no man say that Dave and I depended on anybody but God and God alone. And the only other thing I'm going to say is that when God was sitting there and he was telling me this, and it was so revolutionary to me, and here I am, you know, in an older adult and walking with the Lord all this time, and I realized everything he's taken me through in worship, all my deliverances I ever needed, any, any breakthroughs we ever needed came 
while we were worshiping him because you know why? Because our focus is on him and not on the circumstances. And it, sometimes it's hard. There was one service. I just have to tell you this one illustration. Dave and I were, uh, it was on a Sunday, and we'd been to church in the morning, and in the afternoon, this couple and their three teenage sons come to stay with, come to visit us in the afternoon. We didn't know they were coming. It was a surprise. Okay, we really love them, but the problem was the cupboard was bare, and I'm not exaggerating. The cupboard was bare, and here we have not only these adults who would probably understand, but they have three teenage sons. We don't know how long they're staying. It's, they might want to eat before church tonight. <laughs> and, and so, thankfully, they didn't ask to eat. So we go to church. <laughs> We're all sitting in the pew, in the, in the row. And uh, at that time, we were in the charismatic church, and God had done amazing things for us, and we'd learned a lot about trusting him and him alone. Um, obviously, I, there was so much more I needed to learn about that. But anyway, so we're sitting there, we're singing to the Lord and all this, and the pastor stops the worship leader and says, um, somebody here has a really big need, and God wants you to don't look at the need, look at him the need meter. He wants to meet your need, but he wants you to trust him and him alone to meet this need. It was like everybody in the room disappeared. I mean, like, I, I just knew he was talking about us. So we would sing again, and he'd stop and go, no, no, you have not. God's showing me you are not trusting him yet. You've got to release that, release that burden. And, I, you know, and, and you know how you are in your mind. I'm going, okay, okay, I know how to confess the word. God, you meet all of our needs. You know, um, you're our good shepherd, we shall not want. You know, I'm trying to do all these, you know, uh, gymnastics to, to make sure to get God to move. And the pastor, I swear, he stopped at least four or five times. And at one point, I came to the place, I thought, God, if you don't meet this need, it's not going to get met. And so I have two choices. I can either believe that you're going to meet the need or you have a reason not to and you will still somehow work this all out. If worse comes to worse, which sometimes you have to go to the worst scenario, worse comes to worse, we will just tell them we love having you stay at our home. And the truth is, this was the hard part. How do you tell somebody? I said, we're just a little, you know, running a little low on food. And so you guys are completely free to go out after the service and, and come back and spend the night with us. Again, we didn't know if they were staying a day, a week, because they were on vacation. So... I could only take one day at a time, honestly, with that. And so I knew in my heart that I had settled it, that I was just going to give myself a breakdown standing right there if I did not recognize that I could not make this happen. And I got such a revelation of the kindness and the generosity of the Lord and that it's his, like in Psalm, it's his word that causes us to hope. We didn't make this up on our own. We didn't tell him he was going to meet all of our needs. He did. He said, I, I, God, God alone is going to meet our needs. He uses all kinds of ways, but God alone is our ultimate source. And so I just worshiped the Lord with reckless abandon, not knowing what was going to happen. All I knew is that whew, I could breathe again. And we sat down. The pastor said, that's it. That's it. Just receive what God has blessed you with. I'm like, well, if you just bless me with this peace, I'll take it. We sit down. They start taking the offering, and somebody taps on my shoulder in the back, 
Now, nobody knew this. God was teaching us at that time. We didn't tell anybody ever what we needed, ever. And I could stand up here and talk all night, which I won't because I'm getting in Dave's time, <laughs> of how he would meet our needs, and we hadn't told anybody because that really is where it has to start. And so, but anyway, so the, we get, I get this tap. Someone hands me an envelope, and I look in it, and it's $200. I know. I don't know what meant more to me, that $200 or what God had just done in my heart to reaffirm to me that he loves us. He is aware of our needs before we were even born here on the earth. He's already provided everything we need, everything. Our job is just to believe it and receive it and thank him for it. And so that's what I just wanted to say that God is, he's faithful, he's amazing, he's our source. The only thing I want to say that came to me is I saw God sitting at this table, and I saw a lot of chairs around it, and it's, it's a sight that you see in a lot of restaurants. Wow. You can be distracted by anything, but the vision for me was people on their phones. He can invite us to the table, but if we're not giving our attention to him and what he has to say to us, and we get rid of every distraction... There's so many distractions, aren't they? Aren't there? As soon as you decide you're going to spend time with the Lord, oh my gosh, Katie, bar the door. Here come the distractions. And so, anyway, but God just said, tell them they can come to the table anytime, but nothing's going to happen unless you pay attention, unless you give Him your attention. And so, I think there's a there's a message in there for parents in the natural, and just people in general, but. Mostly, I just want God to know he has my undivided attention all the time, all the time. So I just pray that bless somebody. But I also want to encourage you that don't get discouraged if you feel like you still have battles or, you know, there's still issues in your life you haven't gotten a 100% victory over. Because I don't know until we get to heaven if that's ever going to happen for any of us. So just relax and know everybody's dealing with issues. But we won't get, get them dealt with without our Papa God, who loves us and actually absolutely is our complete source for everything. She preached me under conviction right there. I just need to go pray a minute for... Oh my gosh, that was so good, Sandy. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. <laughs> so good. Oh man. I want to do something. Um, uh, I want to do something for, uh, for Marvin. Just uh, I want you to hold your hands out, like cup them like you're going to catch some oil. That's what we're going to do. Because he's been facing some stuff, some, just some warfare and some physical uh, stuff, and I would like for us to cup our hands, and I want you to picture the oil of the Holy Spirit just dripping down into your hands, and wait, let's, we'll wait a second until your hands are full, okay? So hold on to it, and then we're going to, then we're going to toss all of it on Marvin. <laughs> we're just going to throw it all on Marvin, okay? Wait just a minute until it pools up real good.
the fun is the is the expectation. <laughs> okay, I'm going to count three. We're going to throw it all on him. Okay, one, two, three. <laughs> okay, good job. Good job, oil workers. I was in a service one time. I can't tell the whole story, but I told, felt like we did something similar. I was leading worship, and I stopped and said, I feel like God wants us to release the Holy Spirit just from within us. Just picture this room like a big aquarium, and you're going to fill it up with water, the water of the Holy Spirit. So we did that. I said, we just did that. And I said, there could be healing in that for somebody in the room. There could be all kinds of things in that corporate shared anointing. And so we did that uh, after the service or at the end of the service, this man comes up, the congregation who never talks on the mic, gets up. And, anyway, he was in a gang uh, in New York City 18, year pre, 18 years previous. He got shot in the hip while he was standing in a phone booth. Uh, he had had permanent nerve damage and pain, shooting down his leg from the hip for 18 years. When the people in the congregation released that corporate anointing during worship, he said something happened to his hip, and he, and he thought, no way. No way. He gets up, goes to the back, goes to the restroom just to kind of check things out. He's moving around. Pain, completely gone. Issue, completely gone. After 18 years, why? Because people just by faith release what's on the inside of them and said, come on, Jesus. Do what you do. I'll play my role. You know, these loaves and fishes, I call it a a miracle starter kit. It's the little they had, right? But it needed to, they needed to present it for the miracle to happen. You know, if you multiply nothing, what do you get? Like, what's, what's 3,000 times nothing? Or 4 million times nothing? You got to have something to start with, miracle starter kit. So there's another thing that I felt like last night during worship, and I'll share, and I promise I'm going to be done by 4 o'clock if it kills me. Um, I felt like um, there was healing in the room. There is healing in the room for all manner of blood disorders. So we're going to do the same thing with the oil in our hands. We're, going to only, we're just going to throw it straight up in the air and trust that it splashes on the right people, okay? So if you got a blood disorder of any kind, would you stand up? Please, this is an act of your faith. Any kind of blood disorder. Mm. Yeah, we're going to do this on the... All right, everybody else, you know what to do. Hold out your cup, oil. Mm. Wow. And we'll throw one more person in there. I feel like somebody's got a problem right in their trachea. I don't know. Who is that? Somebody in here? In your trachea? It's right here. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? All right. You're involved in this too, back there. Okay. Ooh, man, this is going to be good. And really, if you've got anything wrong with you, any kind of pain, just, just stick your faith out there. Be ready to receive some oil. Put on your protective glasses. It's okay. All right. Here we go. One. And you're going to throw it straight up in the air. It's going to splash everywhere. Two. Three. God, we just release your healing presence on your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. That's so fun. 
I just love this group. I love, I love being a part of this. I'm always kind of surprised and shocked every year when I get invited back. Um, but I love being with this group, you know, because these people, you know, you people are real people. You know, Marvin gets up here and shares his, his stuff. is transparent. And as Sandy said, you know, transparency really, it, 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 and vulnerability, it really breaks the power of shame because we'll never give away a part of our, ourselves of which we are ashamed. So we have, to, we have to move outside that shame to give away that part of ourselves. And then when we do, we realize, wow, I'm not the only person who suffers with this issue. And, and, and wow, number two is, is not a big a deal as I thought it was. It was actually kind of a mirage. That's what the enemy paints. He takes something little and makes something big out of it, you know? And um, so just being around you guys is just amazing. I just, I love it. I, fi- I figured out how Tom got those bridge cables for forearms, you know? I mean, even Popeye would be, would be a you know, intimidated by him, and like these biceps that go on for days. Nineteen grandchildren, that's how he got them. Curls, I mean, how many reps of curls is that? (laughs) Over years and years and years. (laughs) I just loved what he he had to share, how real he is. You hear somebody that's real, it's like, I want to hang around that person, because there's too much pressure to be perfect or to be certain image of what a real Christian is like. And I just love it when people are just, they're just real people. And he's joking about being before the presence of the Lord and, and knocking the ox out of the way, you know, <laughs> moving the big ox over. I love, I love that, man. It's just so good. It's so real. I wasn't able to get to, to be here for Robbie's uh, father tunnel, but I know it was awesome. How many of you went through the father tunnel today? Wow, not that many people. Woo. Might need to do it again tonight or something. I don't know. Woo. But I, I just know that I, I mean, every time I'm around Robbie, his group, his family, and all that, just, uh, it's just, the worship is just so awesome. And there's such a deep prophetic uh, flow to what happens in worship when Robbie's up there and, and the team. So would you thank the worship team again? Because that was amazing. <laughs> Mm. So good, so good. Yeah, so I just love uh, being with you guys, and thank you for being nice to me. Uh, so f- f- for the next 19... <laughs> oh, 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 the oily boy gets the worm. Uh, uh, Mm. So, with the time that I have, I'm just going to share. Everybody took, you know, for the table talks, everybody took the good scriptures. <laughs> but that's okay, so I'm going another direction. Uh, I want to talk about placemat people and lazy Susan saints. <laughs> so... Here's where the placemat people thing came, came from. Um, Sandy, for, for several years, tried to convince me that I was a sloppy eater. <laughs> and that certain precautions needed to, to be 
instituted in order to compensate for this flaw of mine. And for a long time, I, I refused to believe her. But then she said, Dave, if you're going to eat on the couch, I'm going to put a towel on the floor in front. And I go, whatever. You know, you're acting like just food just flies out of my mouth. It refuses to enter in. And uh, then after a couple of times, uh, you know, I got up after I ate and I looked down on the towel. <laughs> there was all kinds of food there. <laughs> it was like Crouton City down there. <laughs> and so then I got this reputation continued to grow because I have to confess that if you have that, it's, it's genetic. <laughs> and it cannot be fixed as much as you try. I've tried. I will tell her. Don't put a towel down this time. I'll be super, super careful. In five minutes, catastrophe struck. And so, um, so, so I go to like Thanksgiving at my in-laws. And there's this beautiful table set with a nice white tablecloth and plate settings and everything. And guess whose plate was the only plate with a placemat? <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I, I had a sozo for that. Yeah, and so I, all I could do was, you know, first it was embarrassing, and then what can you do but laugh because it's necessary. It, and so, you know, I would eat, we'd get up, they'd pick up the plate, and there'd be a perfect circle of food scraps. Food shrapnel. <laughs> so be careful if you sit next to me. You know, wear your eye gear because you could get whacked with, uh, with uh, you know, some, some food. <laughs> collateral, collateral damage. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just, and it's go, it goes on to this day. So now the scene is, we've got a, a, a loft in our house where we, it's real cozy. And we've got a nice couch there and, and TV trays, yeah, because I'm allowed to eat there as long as there are towels. So not only do we have a <laughs> I wish this weren't true, but not only is there a, a beach towel on the floor, <laughs> I'm not just talking about a hand towel here. <laughs> That's not sufficient. I got a beach towel on the floor underneath my feet, and it's, you know, Sandy, make sure it goes up under the couch a little bit because, you know, nature abhors the vacuum. And so, uh, and not only that, but then she puts a towel across my lap in case something, you know, goes forward. I've tried all kinds of techniques, plate close. <laughs> Held under me leaning forward, <laughs> all kinds of techniques. I'm telling you, it's genetic. Give it up. Give way to the towel. Life will go better for you and for your people. I don't know. I, it's not that I'm uncoordinated. It's just that I don't pay attention. I, my mind is somewhere else. Some people see the trees. I see the forest. How many of you are like that? You see the forest, but not the trees. 
Three people, thank you. <laughs> like I'll come in, I'll come in and uh, from somewhere and uh, upstairs and you'll say, hey, sweetheart, did you notice that new vase of flowers on the dining room, uh, on the dining room table? And I'll, I, I'll say, uh, not only did I noti- not notice the dining room table, I didn't notice the dining room. <laughs> we still have a dining room. <laughs> it's like, did you take that dry cleaning, you know, that you had to step over on the stairway to get, to get out of the house? What dry cleaning? <laughs> you know, some people see the forest, others see the trees. So uh, maybe that's my excuse. Uh, but for whatever reason, there's a placemat here for me. <laughs> And uh, there is a point to this. I want to say that in one respect that we're all placemat people. And that means that, um, number one, that imperfections are not only allowed, they're required to sit at the table. If you're perfect, sorry, no can sit at table. You have to be imperfect. And you have to be comfortable with your imperfections. Now, I'm not talking about moral or character imperfections, of course. That goes almost without saying, right? But what I'm talking about is just things that are not so great about you or, or things that are weaknesses that you wish were strengths. And you've been working on them for a while, but uh, there's things you kind of want to hide and you don't want those to be seen and... Uh, God wants us to know, I I want you to come to the table with your imperfections. Remember Zacchaeus? Jesus goes up to him. He's up in that tree. He says, I got to come to your house and eat. He was a very imperfect man, an outcast man, a very hated man, castigated man, on the outskirts kind of man. He'd robbed a lot of people. So he was well known had a reputation. Jesus said, man, you're just the kind of guy I'd like to have lunch with. (laughs) I'd like to have lunch with you. You know, because it's a table of belonging, you know. You can belong before you believe. I'm not talking about taking communion. I'm strictly, I'm just talking about come to the table of the Lord and have a chance to belong before you believe. It happened to me in college. I didn't even know anything about Jesus my freshman year. I met these guys that talked about Jesus like they knew him on a first-name basis and hung out with them with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, meetings with them, and took in stuff, listened to the songs, heard the scripture, pondered it. January my freshman year, knelt down beside my bed, received Jesus because I had a chance to belong before I believed. And that's the heart, you know, that's the heart of the gospel is, is, to, is we, we need to walk around with tables, spiritual speaking, you know, walk around with a table on your head that you can get out, sit it down, go to town, invite somebody in and allow them to be imperfect in front of you. Better yet, allow yourself to be imperfect in front of them. Mm-hmm. Was in a Mexican restaurant a while back. We, we were at this uh, 420 Ministries here. Did uh, uh, meetings, meetings around evangelism. Went out there and uh, we were all had an assignment for lunch and tried to witness to the waitress, but or tried to share something. But um, 
English was her second language, so we didn't get very far. And we said, we want to pray for you. And she was, why? And it's like she was scared. Well, we want to bless you. She says, oh, it's nice. And she walked away. You know? <laughs> she, a prayer. Well, I was standing up, getting ready to pay. I see this young man standing over here beside me. He's, he's waiting to pay for a to-go order. Anyway, I looked at him, and I smiled, and I said, you speak English? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, oh, Jesus loves you. I just want you to know. I feel like you, you need to know that, and I'd love to pray for you. He said, oh, go on ahead. And he kind of nodded like he was, was like going ahead in the line and go pay your bill because not here, you know. But he actually meant, yeah, pray for me. So I stood there and prayed for him and prophesied over him for about, he's smiling. He's like, he's drinking it all in. The owner is behind the cashier watching this all go on. She later said, thank you for praying for my customers. It makes all the difference. And uh, after I got done, he said, I've been waiting for somebody to tell me about my future. So I said, hey, you want to talk somewhere? We go outside, find out that, you know, we, we found out later that he was an atheist up until that moment. <laughs> then we went out to the picnic table with a nice umbrella, and we led him to Jesus, and, and then invited him to the service. And, you know, a lot of times you don't know if he's going to come back. You know, it's, it's like 3 o'clock, and he's invited him to come back at 7, and I come into church, and he's already there. So I come over and stand by me, and this this, we had a rocking worship service like we had just now. And he's standing beside me, and I look over, and he's kind of mimicking us. He's, he's got his hands cupped like this, like on the top of the pew in front of us. I look at him, and he looks like a cow at a new gate. And um, I said, this is new for you, right? And uh, he said, yeah. He said, I said, he said, I love it. We, we sit down. As soon as the, we had an, one hour of worship, you know what he says to me? That went fast. Wow. <laughs> Woo! Gives me chills. In a little while, I'm going to get to baptize him in water. He's, <laughs> he's, he's involved. Jeff and those guys are discipling him. He's diving in. He's going on outreaches with them. So sweet. It just, you know, I just need to move the table over from where the tables were to where he was standing so we could have a little sup, 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 sup. It's a pun. How many more minutos do I have? I got nine. I can do this, you know? So placemat people are people who know that their imperfections are required, not just allowed. Placemat people... Well, they know that, that the table is a place where the cliches go bye-bye. <laughs> you know our Christian cliches that we use? We're like, praise the Lord. How you doing? Fine. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Standing in faith. You know, just like, the, and I don't mind those, you know, it's just, it's something, sometimes we don't have time to interact at a deep level. I mean, you wouldn't go into the Speedway gas station and clerk go, how you doing? And go, you know, I'm feeling kind of insecure today. <laughs> I mean, you can't have a deep conversation with somebody. It's not appropriate, you know, to do that then. So I understand why cliches exist. It gives us something to talk about to make some kind of connection when we know we're not going to be there for an hour. You know, like, this. can you believe this weather? I can't believe it. It's super hot. You know. 
And then he's supposed to go down to next, next week. Yeah. Oh, man, aren't we glad? Oh, you could say that again. <laughs> we, we are good at cliche talk, you know. It's really good. But if you're going to have a real relationship with what the table is, is, is inviting us to, you've got to get beyond cliches. You know, and some of us are kind of bad at doing that all the time. Like, you know, praise Jesus, bless the Lord. You know, it's like, okay, tell me, tell me something about you. You know, I know, you're pra- I know you're praising Jesus and you're blessing the Lord. Tell me something about you. I like to ask people questions like, like what's exciting in your life lately? That gets right to it. Who doesn't want to talk about what's exciting in their life lately? And if, there, if there's nothing exciting, I'd like to know that too. Just a thought. Placemat people know that the table is, where, uh, is a place where comparisons go to die. Man, this is a thing that I'm working through still after all these years. You know, I can sit here and, and look at Marvin and go, look at this guy. He's so talented. He sings, he plays, he dances. <laughs> he does interior design. He's artistic. He adopted six children. I didn't adopt six children. You know, and I can get into this thing of like, you know how it is. It's like you look at people and you go, look, look at Tom. He's, he's so... He's so good and so funny, and he's got 19 grandchildren. It's an amazing, you know. I mean, we can always be comparing ourselves to one another and, and, and never become comfortable in our own skin. And here's what happens. And I've found in my own life, for me, the reason is a lot of times it's, it's false humility. And don't you think false humility is the worst kind of pride? Because not only does it give you the delusion that you're being humble, But secondly, it suppresses the gifts of God that you have to share with the world because you're trying to do something how they did it. Say it how they said it. And it's just like, I'm just implore you to be you, to be who you are in God. Let him chisel the stuff off of you that doesn't look like an angel, but be you. Let the angel come forth. Let the person, the real person, come forth. Yeah. The table is a place where identity emerges. I mean, real identity. And this kind of dovetails with the next one is where credentials don't count. The table is a place where credentials don't count. You ever done the, the, the credentialing thing? You know, where, where as soon as you meet somebody, you got to tell them, you know, who you were just with and who laid hands on you and what te- the testimony you have, the hot testimony you have. And if they've got a testimony, boy, do you have a better testimony than they just... Oh, I went in Walmart and I prayed for 93 people. <laughs> and they all got healed and they gave into my ministry $100,000. <laughs> now that's a testimony. It's, it's, you know what it comes from? It comes from insecurity, you know? We're insecure, so we have to, we feel like we've got to front. We've got to tell people who we are and what our, what our credentials are. And the credentials are, I'm so glad that rec- no credentials are required to sit at the table. You don't have to prove your worthiness. You just have to come. He said, anybody, everybody come, drink, eat freely. <laughs> That's such a good deal. It's such an amazing deal. Religion makes you prove it. You know, you want to get good with God? Prove it. 
Prove you've got what it takes, big boy. <laughs> Prove you're all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> okay, that's placemat people with the final two minutes. Here we go. <laughs> this lazy Susan Saints. <laughs> I just love the lazy Susan. How many of you know what the lazy Susan is? Some of you maybe don't. Lazy Susan is the name for that circular thing that sits in the center of some tables, and you can put all kinds of stuff on it, condiments, but you can put dishes on there too, food, and it has something, it has some ball bearings or something underneath it. Oh, ball bearings? I don't know. <laughs> My dad was an engineer. <laughs> no, no me, it skipped a generation. <laughs> but there's something underneath that allows you to spin that thing. So if there's something on, on the other side, you can just spin it around 180, and there it is for you. So putting it on a lazy Susan is better than putting it down at the end of the table because it might take an act of Congress to get the beans, for example. Ever done that? Like, could you please pass the, the, the sweet potato thing, casserole? It's really good. And, and then it starts coming your way, but then it hits a detour. Or there, or there is someone who knows not of the request that you just made, and they sit it down. That's... That is not right. The, that is a violation. People cannot stay at the table if they will not pass the food. But see, you can get around that by having a lazy Susan. And get you a big one, you know? Get you a big lazy Susan so you can put everything that everybody should, could ever need in life. You can just spin it around, reach in there, grab it, put it back on, and somebody else can get it. What's a lazy Susan saint? Well... We find out that the table is equal access to your heart's desire. You know? But the sweet potato casserole may be on the other side of the lazy Susan, and somebody else is getting to partake of that. And they might even have a sweet potato testimony. They might be saying, this, sweet, this is the best sweet potato stuff I have ever had in my life. Hand to Jesus. And you, like, you envy them. It's like, when am I going to get some sweet potato casserole? You ever been in that place where you've been praying for something and somebody has a testimony of the exact thing that you've been praying for for six years and they got it in six minutes? It came by Amazon drone right to their house. As soon as the words left my lips, there was a ring at the doorbell and the drone was ringing my doorbell. Isn't technology grand? And you can be jealous, envious, all that kind of stuff, but we don't realize. We go, yeah, God's not a respecter of persons. That's right. Yeah. Happy for you. Happy for your taste buds, bucko. You get the salubrious taste of sweet potato casserole. Not me, but see, it's on the lazy Susan. It's accessible to you. Everything in the kingdom is accessible to you. Sometimes you have to wait your turn. Sometimes that you spin that thing around and it goes past you. Ever had that happen? You thought, you know, here's the blessing of the Lord, it's coming, it's coming. <gasps> it left. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> this goes to my next point. Lazy Susan is where you find out that what was out of reach is now within your grasp. One of my favorite scriptures 
Well, it came to pass. That's not a scripture. It's just part of a scripture, but it came to pass. You know, it didn't come to stay. It just came to pass. So, <laughs> sometimes, have you ever felt the blessing of the Lord was with, was, was, out, just out of reach of your hands. Just like you reach, reach, just can't quite access it. But what the lazy Susan teaches us that everything that looks out of reach can one day be within your grasp. And you can go, ah. So we've got to be thankful till the Susan makes a revolution <laughs> to you. So, and the last thing I want to say, <laughs> you discover surprises along the way. That's what Lacey sees, because I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I see the forest, not the trees, so I don't really always see what's on the Susan, on the Lacey Susan. You, but while it's spinning and while something that I really asked for is coming toward me, I realize, oh, there's something else on there that I would like. It's a total surprise. God is a God of irony, and He will introduce surprises in your life, delightful surprises along the way, and even better, that's the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think. We're going to call, we're going to, uh, Sandy and I were entertaining the, the idea of, uh, you know, taking a position, maybe leading some worship at a church in addition to the school and all the other things we do, and, and uh, I was eating with my friend Steve Freeman, he's right back there. And uh, he said, hey, man, uh, we were eating with somebody else. And he said, you guys, let me know if you, find, if you know of anybody who would fit this. There's a church uh, in a certain place. It's a, it's, a, it's a church of Christ congregation that's been, it's making its transition from non-instrumental to instrumental. And they want somebody to help them with that transition. And I thought about it for about two and a half seconds. And I said, I might be interested in that. And I said, tell him I would like to talk to him. So I talked to him, and, and lo and behold, June 9th, we started leading worship at a Church of Christ congregation that's transitioning from non-instrumental to instrumental. <laughs> beautiful people, beautiful people. And, of course, they're going to get more than a piano out of this deal. You under, we understand this, right? Jehovah Sneaky is at work. But, but you know what? We're getting something from that, them, what they have, what they carry, I tell you, people, a, people, a church that's, that's done a cappella music for over 40 years has some singers in it, I'm here to tell you. And so people who can read music and people who love to connect with God, but they, they see this one, one way to do it. And so I said one Sunday, I said, I said, you know, we're here by request of the church, not because there's something wrong, but because there's something more. And I said, picture yourself living in a house for a number of years. You love the house. It's a wonderful house. And one day you realize, oh, if we had a sunroom, that would just be so cool. And you have a sunroom built on your house. And you didn't move out of your house and you didn't tear your house down. You just added a component, a dimension. So, so they've loved us so well and so genuinely, so deeply. And uh, we love them. And I don't know how long this assignment, it's just an assignment, but it was something on the Lazy Susan I didn't see until right. it came right around in front of me. I said, hey, right there. So, so here you go. You 
our placemat people and Lazy Susan Saints. <laughs> you receive that? Yeah. Just reach out and touch somebody right now. And we're just going to, by faith, release a greater anointing to be a placemat person, a placemat saint, and a person who's authentic, who's real, who doesn't have to credential, who doesn't have to front, who can be authentic, who can talk about so-called secular things, because I'm here to tell you there's no such thing as secular. It's all sacred, everything. Everything but sin is sacred. Hey, I've never said that before. That's why I bring blank post-it notes so I can write down things I say. <laughs> Maybe use them the next time. All I need is a refrigerator. But anyway, I just interrupted my own prayer in impartation time. Oh, no! You ruined the impartation! See that's what I'm saying? God is not uptight. One time, 83, I'll, say, I'll end with this. I hope uh, right, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. So, so I, uh, 1983, a healing and anointing came on me, and I started seeing lots and lots of people healed of all kinds of things. And at that time, we were not equipping the saints to do healing. It was mostly like the preachers were doing the healing up front, and you'd line people up, and I'd walk in front of them, and I would get, like, word of knowledge pains in my body. I would tell them where their pain was. And they would tell me I was right. And it was all this, all this stuff. But in the process of that, I'd feel this anointing flowing through me. And I was going, I found myself going, like that. As you know, this anointing's flowing. I don't know why I was doing that. And, um, and the Lord said, he said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm helping. <laughs> You know, the question implies the answer <laughs> to my answer. <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> just re relax. Just dial it down a notch or two. You'll find you last longer, you know? So I started, like, joking with people during healing. Honest story, when uh, people would, like, I, I could feel the anointing flowing. The pain wasn't going. And I would crack a joke in front of them, probably most of the time on the mic, while I'm standing in front of the person, the person would laugh. As soon as they laughed, they would get healed. Why? Because they were, they were released from a pressure to have a certain posture or to be just act spiritual. What is acting spiritual anyway? <laughs> it's just being real. It's just being really in love with Jesus, letting him flow through you. It, oh, I could go on. <laughs> but you knew that. Oh, my gosh. I'm over time. Okay. Well, are you still imparting? Please, please continue imparting. All right. You, you don't have to keep your hands and feet inside the car at all times. So we're, what are we imparting? We're imparting placemat people anointing. Real people. Now let's impart, let's impart the uh, Lazy Susan Saints. Shoo. Lazy Susan Saints. We're, it's all access table to everything you need. It's an orphan mindset to, to resent somebody for what they got from God because you didn't get it yet. It's an orphan mindset. Attack that thing with a vengeance. Say, I'm Papa's favorite. <laughs> and you are too. He has all favorites. All favorites all the time.
Jesus, thank you for that. Okay. I've done all the damage I can do. I, well. <laughs> Here comes the microphone. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Welcome my oily brother. He's so oily. Wow. <laughs> okay, so I think we're just going to go ahead and dismiss, since we went so long at lunch and had a short break. And so, whoa, Robbie, it's still up here. It's the I love your sideways thing. Whoa. Lord, I just pray spread that throughout 127 House of Prayer. They're all like, next week, Misty's going, Whoa. Rob is going, oh, okay. So Dave, man, I adore you. I do. I adore this guy. He's so, laughter does good like, yeah, like good medicine. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Tom, don't you love Dave and Sandy? You haven't got to meet Sandy before, right? Isn't she? No, she is an absolute hoot, but you are a delight. Let's take a poll if you think Sandy Knoll is like the delight of all delights. Yeah. And you can give him a run for his money preaching, girl. Yeah. Really super anointed. Yeah. I know. So this is Sandy's first time. She's uh, dealt with chronic fatigue. So up, up, out of the ashes, up, up, out of the grave. So good. Yeah. In fact, that's because I've been dealing with uh, autoimmune stuff and suppressed immune system issues. I do feel like there's stuff with um, with uh, chronic fatigue and autoimmune stuff and uh, uh, just chronic tiredness. I mean, those chronic things, he wants to break. Can we just do that real quick and come into agreement? So if that's you, just stand up. As you are getting the blood disorders, can we just, let's do the oil thing again. So anyone dealing with immune, immune system issues in your body, let's just, everyone else, just open your hands. So Dave was doing this. Let's just ask for oil. So we're using our holy imaginations, sanctified imaginations, oil filling our hands. So everything we need, we get from heaven. So just let oil from heaven come. And then in the count of three, we're just going to throw it up. We're going to believe it's going to hit the person that needs it. Ready? Here we go. In the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got some leftover, just smear it on someone. Amen. Okay, guys, we will be back here. Who remembers what time we're back? 7 p.m. Hey, Carolyn Heyman is speaking tonight. This is going to be such a treat.